I invite you at this time to open your Bibles that we might read together from Acts chapter 17. We'll read the first 15 verses from Acts chapter 17. Here in Acts chapter 17, we see see two very different reactions to the proclamation of the gospel. Beloved, the word of the Lord. Now when they, that is Paul and his companions, had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. When they could not find them, They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men have turned the world upside down, or who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. And the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Thus far, our reading this time. Beloved, our text for this morning's sermon comes from Mark chapter 4, the first 20 verses. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, going on to verse 20. We read here the word of the Lord once again. Again he, that is Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed 
fell on rocky soil or rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, and since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. While they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Thus far, our text. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, are you eager to hear the word? Do you crave opportunities to read the Bible in times of private devotions or family worship or adult Bible studies? Perhaps more specifically, what do you think of the good news that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for sinners and risen again from the grave to grant them new life? Is that exciting news? Or is that old news? I think most of us realize that we should be enthusiastic when it comes to the Word. We should be eager to listen to the things that God inspired men to write down through the Holy Spirit. But we can often struggle to have that eagerness and enthusiasm. And I suspect the reason many of us struggle to get enthusiastic for the Word, the reason many of us struggle to devote regular time to the reading of God's Word, is that we don't think it's really going to benefit us. We don't think of it as something that's essential for our daily lives. Now, we recognize that the Bible has great value, eternally speaking. 
I suspect most believers know that there's a a great need to hear or read the Scriptures, at least from time to time. But do we really believe that the best thing we can do early on a, a Wednesday morning, for example would be to spend 15 or, or 30 minutes reading a book that we've read and, and heard numerous times before. I think the reason, beloved, that this might be, the, the reason that we often underestimate the value of, of reading and, and digging into the Word for ourselves that we often fail to ask ourselves one simple question after reading or hearing the word. How does this relate to my life? In our text this morning, Jesus shares with a, a great crowd of people the parable of the sower. And he did this in order that they might ask themselves, how does this relate to my life? More specifically, he wanted them to be asking themselves, how am I receiving the word of God? For he tells a parable which is all about how people receive the word. But in doing so, he's really teaching us that as we listen to the parables, as we listen to, to any passage of scripture, we need to be asking ourselves, how am I receiving this? What is this supposed to be saying to me? Beloved, I proclaim God's word as it comes to us in Mark 4, verses 1 to 20, using this theme. How do we receive the word? We'll consider this first as Jesus delivers the parable of the sower, and second as Jesus explains the parable of the sower. In my home church in Grand Valley, we've been going through the gospel of Mark. And if you do that, you'll see over and over again in this gospel that there are, there are large groups of people getting together on a, a regular basis to either experience the healing power of Jesus or to hear Jesus preach. And our text this morning is no different. It begins with Jesus teaching beside the sea. A very large crowd had gathered about him so that he had to get into a boat and sit in it on the sea, and the the crowd has to spread out before him on the shore. It's very similar to a a scene you also see in Mark chapter 3, the verses 8 and 9, when Jesus had to to tell his disciples to, to get him a boat so that the crowds wouldn't crush him. From that, we can, we can clearly see there are plenty of people who are willing to take time out of their day to listen to Jesus speak. But we have to wonder, how much of this was really getting through to them? After all, Jesus wasn't always direct with the crowd. And we're told he was teaching them many things in parables. Parables are essentially everyday illustrations of of spiritual truths. Now, many of the most memorable parables are those that involve short stories, but but sometimes a parable is little more than an extended metaphor. A little earlier in Mark, we hear Jesus say this, But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods. 
unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. That's a parable. It's not really a a story, perhaps, but it is an earthly illustration of a great spiritual truth. What we can see throughout the Gospels is that Jesus often used parables as a way to share hard truths with the crowds. He used parables to confront them, to, to challenge them. Jesus frequently used parables to confront their unbelief or their hypocrisy. He used it to challenge the the messed up priorities and the sins of his audience members. And so it is with the parable which he shares in our text. In the parable of the sower, he is basically warning the people in this crowd before him about how they're going to respond to his words. He's saying in advance... I know that many of you aren't going to accept the things that I've been saying. Many of you aren't going to hold on to this good news I proclaim for very long. But for those of you who do accept it and treasure it, it is going to have amazing results. You see, beloved, on on one level, Jesus' audience, they could completely understand what he was talking about. Most people at that time either worked in agriculture or did direct business with people in agriculture. So many of the people in the crowd would have had personal experience sowing seed. The dangers which, which threatened the growth of the wheat, these were familiar things. The people could relate to the way that the seed which fell onto the the sun-baked paths that divided the farmer's fields, these would often be devoured by the birds. The people understood that the seed which fell on the, the rocky limestone bedrock of Galilee, it wasn't going to get very far. They recognized that seed which fell among the prickly thorns, had no real hope. The only thing they couldn't really relate to was when Jesus talked about the seed that fell into good soil, produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You need to understand, a typical yield in Palestine was 7 or 10-fold what was sown. To achieve 30 or 60-fold was amazing. To receive 100-fold was borderline miraculous. When Jesus ends this parable then saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. They should have been wise to the fact that Jesus wasn't just talking about agriculture. The fact that Jesus had been proclaiming, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It would have been hint enough that Jesus wasn't just there to talk about the the failures and the successes that people encountered in, in first century Palestinian farm life. But did they really get what he was talking about? Well, that seems doubtful, given that his own disciples and apostles weren't really sure what Jesus was getting at. 
Now, we might think the meanings of the parables are pretty obvious or pretty straightforward, but then again, we approach the parables with the knowledge, with the reflections of hundreds of years of church history. In reality, many of us can be very similar to that great crowd, despite that advantage we have, the knowledge of past ages. For beloved, we can still miss out on the significance of the parables if we fail to ask ourselves, how do these parables speak to us? Make no mistake, when Jesus presented the crowds with the parables, he was seeking to confront them. He was seeking a reaction from them. He wasn't challenging them to think just, well, what might the sower be? What might the seed be? Now, for ourselves, we might have a perfect understanding of what is meant by the sower, the seed, the four environments in which the seed falls. But if we never take the extra step of asking, where do we fit in this parable? Or, what kind of response then should this parable receive from me? Then we are hardly better off than the members of that crowd. The parable of the sower is meant to make everyone who hears it consider what kind of soil for the seed am I? If we fail to apply the word of God to our own lives, if we don't take the time to consider what is God saying to me through this or that passage, then we aren't really hearing. You know, if we listen to to sermons and think, I sure hope so-and-so heard that. Or, what a good message for other people to hear. Instead of thinking, what should I take from this? Then we don't have ears to hear. If we read a chapter of the Bible and think, now this has nothing to do with my life, we aren't really hearing at all. Now, it's been my personal observation that uh, a lack of personal devotion time is the most common thing for Christians to feel guilty about. I've heard numerous Christians say that the most dreaded question at a home visit is, how are your personal devotions? Because many believers struggle to to regularly read the Word and reflect on it for themselves. Many don't really want to admit that. So we might ask ourselves, why do do so many of us seem to to struggle in this way? Why do so many of us seem to, to struggle to take time to read the Scriptures? I don't think it's because the Bible is too hard to understand. There are translations we can read that make it easier to understand if that's the problem. I don't think it's hard that we're people who find it hard to to read anything at all, that we're just not readers. After all, you could find plenty of apps and audio recordings where you simply listen to someone else read the Bible. 
Now, the English Standard Version, the ESV, has a a great app which includes an audio recording of the entire Bible. I don't think it's because we don't have enough time. For an average reader, it only takes a few minutes to read a chapter of the Bible. You can read most of the books of the Bible in a few hours. In the time it takes to watch an NHL game or a a few episodes of a television drama, you could read the entire Gospel of Matthew or Luke. And those are the longest books in the New Testament. You could read most of Paul's letters in a few hours. Now, beloved, I think we we struggle to, to read the Word on our own, to read it for ourselves Because we fail to realize just how relevant the Word of God is to our daily lives. We often fail to see that there is comfort and there is hope and there is encouragement and guidance and wisdom for each and every one of us on every page of God's book. Now, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 It states, quite famously, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We might live in the the error of the New Testament. We might live thousands of years after the Bible was originally written down, or at least the various books were put to paper But I can promise you every book from Genesis to Revelation has significance for us as 21st century believers living in Canada. Every part of it, from the the words of judgment found in Obadiah, to the priestly laws recorded in Leviticus, to the census results found in Numbers, they have significance for us, beloved. And they all call on us to ask ourselves, what is God saying through these words? This brings us to our second point. Jesus explains the parable of the sower. When Jesus was alone, His disciples, including, no doubt, the twelve apostles, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. You see, everyone knew Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. But his disciples were being given a, a clear understanding of it. This was fitting in the sense that some of them would eventually be given the task of spreading the good news concerning the kingdom themselves. We see this happening later on with the the 12 apostles, for instance, and you can get to that in Mark chapter 6. We see that those who are most committed to Jesus Christ are given the, the clearest understanding of what he is saying. But for those outside of his circle of influence, Jesus made it his practice to, to teach everything in parables. So that, as Jesus said, they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, 
but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now Jesus' words here are a paraphrase of Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. The Lord sends the prophet Isaiah to confront the stubborn and rebellious hearts of the Israelites in his day. See, Isaiah was sent to proclaim the word of the Lord, even though the Lord already knew that they would not listen. And so the people would hear the word, but they would not accept it. Jesus quotes these words to imply that, in a similar way, Jesus already knows that the people of his day are not going to listen. As with the people in Isaiah's day, they will hear the truth, but they will not accept it. The implication of Jesus' words is, it's not that Jesus had no desire to teach the people. It's not that he's deliberately trying to hide it from him. The statement was a sign to his disciples that Israel was once again being tested by the Lord. And they would inevitably fail that test. And indeed, that is what we see happen, beloved. We see that Jesus Christ would be rejected by most of the Jews. Especially when he was completely open about his true identity. And when he declared himself the divine Son of Man at his trial before the high priests, the Jewish leaders would declare him worthy of death. When the Roman governor Pontius Pilate declared him the King of the Jews, the the Jewish crowd called out for his crucifixion. When the apostles later on would testify to the Jewish ruling council that Jesus had risen from the dead. They would be beaten like their risen Savior. Now we saw in our reading from Acts how Paul proclaimed to the Jews in Thessalonica, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. We're told the Jews, and and that would then be the majority of the Jews in the city, were jealous. Taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them, that is, Paul and his companions, to the crowd. In fact, we see that many of these Jews in Thessalonica were, were so opposed to the good news about Jesus Christ, that when they learned that Paul was preaching the gospel in Berea, they went there too and stirred up trouble. You see, beloved, one of the reasons that Jesus taught in parables was that he might convey as much of the truth as possible without having the people turn on him and reject him. He could not just be direct about the truth because they were not able to accept it. But to those who were already committed to following him, learning from him, To them, he could reveal much more. Since they didn't understand the parable of the sower, he explained it to them. He explained to them that the sower sows the word. The sower can be understood ultimately to to be God, but it can also represent really anyone who spreads the word of God. 
Jesus Christ himself was sowing when he preached to the crowds. The apostles would go on to become sowers of the word when they would spread the good news later on in their lives. And as with all such sowers, they would witness for themselves the various reactions which people have to the word. Some people hear the word and instantly reject it. The devil has helped to convince them that they aren't sinners. They aren't in need of a savior. They don't need to be made right with God. So the word makes absolutely no impact on their hearts or their lives. Others are glad to hear the word, but but only in a superficial sense. They're eager for the gospel as long as things in life are going well. But when they're called to suffer for the sake of the gospel... They fall away. Their faith isn't sufficiently rooted in Jesus Christ. So they can't take up their own crosses and and follow him. Still others hear the word and seem to grow in it for a time. But they are too attached to this world to truly grow. They're more interested in building their own kingdoms rather than God's kingdom. They're more interested in financial abundance than spiritual abundance. They want to store up for themselves treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. And then there are those who hear the word, accept it, bear the fruit that corresponds to it. These are people who aren't just hearers of the word, but doers. True Christian believers who aren't just glad to to hear about the love of God, but who are also eager to show others the love of God, who fully embody the word. How have we received the word? Jesus, he shared the, the meaning of this parable with his followers and apostles. In doing so, he was challenging challenging them directly, challenging them to to consider where they fit in this parable, in this picture. Jesus tells his followers the, the meaning of the parable to warn and encourage, to warn them about following away, about not following through, but on the other hand, to encourage them. To remind them that those who do follow, those do remain faithful, produce a 30, 60, 100 fold harvest. Does the gospel simply bounce right off of us? Someone starts reading the Bible and we instantly tune it out, we instantly let our minds wander. Someone starts preaching and we take a mental or even physical nap. Were we excited about the gospel and and our Christian faith as as kids or young people, but but now we're far more subdued. Now we're not too eager to to be known as as passionate Christian believers, to be considered bigots or haters, homophobes or or small-minded because we attend a conservative Christian church. Perhaps for those where we've grown up in a Christian family, we've been regular attendees at church for decades. 
But our primary focus in life is, is getting ahead financially and making sure we have all the stuff we need. Now, church, it's okay. So long as it doesn't get in the way of us having a, a nice house, nice vacation, nice experiences, nice things. What do we receive the word with the eagerness that characterized the noble Jews of Berea? Luke wrote of the Berean Jews that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Luke does not criticize them for their eagerness to to test the good news concerning Jesus Christ against the prophecies of the Old Testament. He praises it. He knows that seriously studying the Scriptures is something which all Christians should be eager to do, unafraid to do. Are we eager, beloved, to explore the lengths, the breadth of Scripture? Are we eager to see how Old Testament and New Testament fit together? Are we eager to see how the Scriptures prepare us for the coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Eager to see how he is there throughout the word. We passionate in seeing connections between different books of the Bible or, or seeing how God's plan of salvation shines through. Are we eager to see that the Bible has lessons, a message of salvation for us? Are we eager to be taught by it, instructed by it? If we struggle to see the Bible's daily relevance, beloved, let us pray for insight by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray that He who inspired the Word would also work in our hearts, in our minds. That we might better know the entire Word of God in order to better know the One who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Let us get to know the Word better, beloved. We might be better equipped to follow our Lord and Savior in joy and thankfulness every day. Amen.